Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. I tend to find that they do have this tried and true playbook that they use, which in a way is is a good thing. It means you might be surprised if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, but there are so many of these things that they use over and over again. And that's one of the things that I think is so great about you know the program of, of yours is as you learn and understand some of those things, you'll start to see this mosaic appear and really get a clear understanding for what it is that they do. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Song, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. I want to go ahead and introduce Jason. Jason is a rock star, a total, total rock star. He got his bachelor's in economics and accounting from UC Santa Barbara, where he graduated summa cum laude. He's not, you know, a high achiever at all. Um, He has the distinction of being one of the select few financial professionals to hold the chartered financial analyst, which is super hard to get. I don't know if any of you know, but it has like a thousand different parts to it. Uh, He has a certified financial planner designation, the certified divorce financial analyst credentials. And he has, of course, all the other designation, you know, things, you know, series seven, 66. And by the way, if you type in divorcing with a narcissist, he outranks pretty much everything, including, you know, like psychology today. His, his, his SEO is unbelievable. So, he is the founding part, partner of Divorce Capital Planning. He really, really focuses all of his time on helping people with money and divorce and dealing with narcissists and money. He really, really knows his stuff. And this is his passion. He loves helping people break free from toxic relationships, narcissistic relationships, and make sure that they have enough money to live on and make sure that their divorce settlements are something that are you know comprehensive and something that you're going to be able to live with especially i'm telling you i always say that the divorce paradox is that during the worst most horrible heinous time in your lives you have to make the most critical decisions of your life. You have to think about your money and your children and your businesses and all of this stuff at a time that your, your life is melting down. And so you need somebody like a Jason. 
And that is why I absolutely adore him. We have been in a partnership together for the last few years. And I'm, it, it is really my honor to be working with him and bring him on with you again. So let me just let him go. He, uh, we're going to have a just kind of a free fluid discussion like we did before. He um, really knows his stuff. So thank you for being here again. Absolutely. Happy to be here. So, you know, the funniest thing is that one of the times that you and I just decided to kind of wing it and we we thought, okay, you know what, let's just hit record. And I threw it up on YouTube and it ended up getting like hundreds of thousands of views or something like that. You remember that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we were not, I don't think we were planning on, record, on recording anything or it was recorded, but we weren't planning on publishing it. I know you had like your TV on in the back and <laughs> I know I didn't even have any planned questions or anything, but we thought, oh, you know what? Let's just have a conversation and we'll just see how where it goes. And I threw it up on YouTube and it ended up getting like thousands and thousands of views. It was the, it was the greatest thing ever because, you know, you know your stuff. And um, and people need that information. So I just thought we would do the same thing today and talk about narcissists and talk about money and let people, you know, get their questions answered. And, you know, really, you know, because we we talked about it a little bit last time, and it was really one of the most interesting discussions and you know one of the most important discussions i think and you know i think that i think you know everybody knows that narcissists hide money or that they um are you know I think uh, use money to control people. But what are some of the surprising things that you find with narcissists and money? You know, I think they're actually pretty predictable. Although that they're they're unpredictably predictable. What I mean by that is you do see if you know if you work with enough people that are Divorcing a narcissist or have, have kind of going through steps where they're trying to break free from a narcissist, you tend to see really fairly similar tactics um, and, and, you know, things of that nature. So I'm not sure that I'm not sure I've got a great answer for that in terms of some really surprising things. Cause I tend to find that they do have this tried and true playbook that they use, which in a way is, is a good thing. It means you might be surprised if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, but there are so many of these things that they use over and over again. And that's one of the things that I think is so great about you know the program of, of yours is as you learn and understand some of those things, you'll start to see this mosaic appear and really get a clear understanding for what it is that they do. Using money to control, using money um, as a tool to be able to really fuel their own desire for energy and things of that. And everything else is kind of a byproduct of that. 
Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I find to be kind of interesting with narcissists and money is that they they're they're kind of a dichotomy in the sense that they will be very, very hoarding and and punitive with money with the people that are closest to them. But a lot of times they will throw it around and, and spend it in public. Absolutely. Really to try, I mean, just to try and get the adulation, to show off, to fuel their ego. I I agree with you 100%. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and they do kind of have an addictive personality a lot of times. So, you know, a lot of times you will see them be kind of risk takers when it comes to money. Do you, do you find that? Yeah. I mean, it, I think I, I usually find that you kind of have to start when you're thinking through that of trying to identify what type of narcissist that you're dealing with. And, you know, sometimes that varies based on or some of the clues that you can get are from their profession. And, you know, there's some of those types of things tend to lead to similar types of personality types within the narcissist category. Um, but yeah, it, it, it does end up in a scenario where I, I find a lot of narcissists tend to be senior executives, tend to be entrepreneurial, tend to be financial risk takers, all things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, why do you think that they end up hoarding money? Um, I mean, I think some of them tend to have kind of a bit of a scarcity complex. And I, I think, think they all have a scarcity complex. Yeah, scarcity is scarcity complex. So they end up hoarding things kind of by default. And I think, you know, going back to that control issue, it's just one of those things where if you have it, you have control and money is one of those things. And so as soon as just like how they do that in, in relationships and with all of the energy that they kind of suck up all of that, they'll do the same thing with money. And the only time they're really willing to dole it out is if they're getting something clear in return so that they're willing to make a trade. The difference is other people tend to spend money for you know, different types of things, whereas they're spending money for the ego, adulation, you know, all those things that everyone knows exactly what to expect with. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, they, they know that the more that they have, the better they're going to look, right? Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take 20,000 breaths a day? But according to the EPA, it's two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and then sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. I know for us and our family, our family has struggled with allergies to dust mites and mold and all sorts of things. And that's why we have loved using an air purifier. And Air Doctor has been amazing for us. And it 
has captured the attention of media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more. And it filters out 99.9% of dangerous contaminants such as allergens and pollen and pet dander and all sorts of bacteria and viruses so that your lungs don't have to. And it's super quiet and much more quiet than other ordinary air purifiers. Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use your promo code your best life. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code your best life. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive your store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bestlife, all lowercase. Go to Shopify. Dot com slash best life to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash best life. Right. You and you it tends to be showy in nature, right? So you know, you'll see a lot in, in my line of work, I see a lot of wealthy clients who don't appear wealthy to the outside world. They drive an older car, they, you know, an older beat up car, things of that nature. That doesn't tend, it tends to be inverted in the world of the narcissist. Oh, yeah. It I is mean, really very showy. You know, they're driving the G Wagon. They, all the things that really make you look rich are the things that they tend to spend money on. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember one time doing a divorce for somebody and they were, I mean, so, well, this has happened so many times, but I mean, I remember one, one, pe one person in particular where, you know, they were paying for private schools out of equity from their home. And I mean, it was like, wow. Oh my gosh. So yeah, really honest, on a string. 
you know, it, I mean, it happens, it happens all the time. And, and I think particularly if someone's going through a divorce and they're feeling like the money is going to be taken from them and they were already in that scenario where they kind of were backed into a corner because they're, they, they felt like that even prior to going through this, where now they're going to potentially be paying support and dividing assets and things of that nature. It can make them, it can make them fairly dangerous because they are kind of like a, caged a wild animal that's backed into a corner. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, and I think that they know that by having more money that they can get the best lawyer too in a divorce, right? And they want to make sure that they have the best lawyer so that they can have the the most power over the other person too. Yeah, and you, I mean, you'll you'll tend to see certain attorneys will start to build a reputation. All attorneys kind of start to build a reputation. You have certain attorneys that end up being really well known for you know, more amicable, mediated, collaborative divorces. You have others that are known as as the sharks, and then within that kind of litigation type, you know, the shark category, you'll start to see ones that tend to work with similar personality types time and time again. You know, sometimes there's the attorney that works with um the 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 wife who's been kind of the stay-at-home mom for a long period of time. And then you have the the ones who just narcissists tend to gravitate towards because they do everything in their power to maintain that control. And that becomes kind of the, the attorney MO as well. Oh, I have always said that People and divorce attorneys are just like dogs and owners that somehow they always find an attorney that looks like them. (laughs) You know, like it's just so funny how they just do that. And um, I, I don't know. I, and, and when I was practicing, you know, I used to have to get to a point when I, I mean, when I was a baby lawyer, I used to like not want to tell the clients what was going on, you know, because I didn't want to have to like have that conversation. But, you know, as I grew into myself, I used to just like straight up tell the client, oh, your husband hired that person. Well, we're going to have a fight. Here we go. Here we go. These are going to be up. Sorry to tell you, hate to break it to you. You know, I, I wish it weren't going to be that way, but this is how it's going to go. Everything's going to be a fight. They're going to file 50,000 motions. I mean, you know, it's one I, of the I, biggest, I mean, it, it really is one of the biggest decisions in, in the divorce process. You know, the type of divorce matters, who you're divorcing is the biggest of all things. But who your spouse, who you choose to hire as an attorney and who your spouse chooses to hire as an attorney really sets the tone. I mean, it can be even even when you have clients that that are trying and doing everything in their power to stay amicable, they're not really it's hard to do so if you have an attorney that makes you feel stupid for wanting for not wanting to extract whatever you're able to to get. Well, uh, the the problem is that that. If if you have a narcissist on the other side, they're not going to stay with an attorney who wants to settle, who wants to have an amicable situation or wants to have, 
you know, you know, because they'll just they'll just fire them. It's very self-selecting. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, I remember having a, a client one time who said to me, "Oh, you're going to be very lonely in heaven, Rebecca, all by yourself." You know, like. Uh, you're not going to goad me into doing things <laughs> that are unethical. Like you, you are not worth my license. Right. You can go somewhere else. I don't care, you know. But other attorneys might not be so. You know, they may not care, right? They'll go do whatever for their client because they don't want to get fired, you know. So they'll file. They'll keep filing the motions, or they, you know. And a lot of times, people would say to me. How can their attorney believe him or her or whatever? They may not, or they may not care. Right. You know, they're just the mouthpiece. So, I mean, a lot of attorneys get paid a lot of money to fan the flames. Right. And fortunately, a lot of attorneys end up getting painted with that brush, which is not at all the case in my experience. But but there certainly are bad apples in every profession, and it's pretty easy to build that reputation. And once you establish it, self-selecting and next thing, you know, I mean, there's there's a lot of attorneys in our area where other attorneys won't take cases against them and not because they're intimidated, but it's just, it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, so because the, the tail is wagging the dog. Yeah, right? exactly. exactly. Yeah, so I mean, so, you know, if you have a situation like that, then, you know, you know that that's what's going to happen, and but that's where you, that's where you have to start bringing in leverage, and that's where you know Sarah Sarah just says you need great leverage, slay exactly, exactly, and that's where you can actually start to build a case and start thinking about how to expose them or start thinking about how to, I mean, narcissists do have weaknesses. And a lot of people don't think about that because they want you to live in fear. They want you to feel like, you know, you're going to be beaten down forever. But the problem is, you know, they they do end up being their worst enemies. They absolutely always end up being their own worst enemies. Yeah, and I mean, you also, if you if if there does happen to be an attorney who's got this, if you're in a smaller community where there's fewer attorneys and there's only one or two of these types, sometimes it's worth going ahead and having consultations with them just to go ahead and get them conflicted out. It's definitely true. You know, harder to be able to do that if you're in one of these large areas where there's plenty of attorneys like that. But sometimes that can be a strategy as as well, just early on on the front end to consider. Yeah, and so I mean, going back to the financial constraints, I mean, talk about the the paths of narcissists and money. But we, a lot of times, people will be concerned that. Narcissists are going to get away with hiding money, you know, taking money, moving money, that sort of thing. Can you address that? In terms of whether or not that's a legitimate concern or some of the ways. Yeah. And how often do you see that? How often does that really happen? That sort of thing. I mean, I think it all depends on kind of order of magnitude. 
I don't see all that frequently where people are hiding really significant sums of money. That tends to be more rare. What I find a lot happens a lot are people will kind of move smaller things here and there. Someone spots that, that raises a massive red flag. And then in even in other areas where there, there isn't any sort of funny business or game playing going on, there's the perception that there is. And so there's, there's things that are kind of perception or reputation based. And then there's things that are real. And, and in my mind, the most important thing that you can really do here is really like define what winning means for you and start to understand the finances so that you can become empowered to understand what really matters. It doesn't matter if they hide a penny. It does matter if they hide a, a ton of money. And so don't worry if they're kind of got one up on you by being able to steal a dollar here or there, because when you consider the cost involved of the whole process, you can really end up shooting yourself in the foot by trying to you know, throw good money after bad. Mm-hmm. So it, it certainly happens. It's something I think you want to be on the lookout for. You want to do your due diligence. You know, I'm not at all saying not to do those things. You just want to make sure that you look at it through the proper lens and don't end up becoming so myopic and overly focused, chasing every dollar. Right. And it's hard not to do that if you, you know, when you've been through this type of a relationship and you know exactly what someone's capable of, it can take a lot of internal pep talks with yourself to be able and or or you know a wonderful community like like you have to be able to kind of stay grounded on what the end game is. Yeah. And I just think a lot of times. It's so hard not to go after the what ifs and oh my God. And, you know, especially when they are, you know, threatening you and saying things and putting you in fear and all of that. And I get that. I do. But, you know, I think if you can come back to, what is so? What is actually happening? What are the facts? What are we actually dealing with? And and stay grounded in what are what are you actually seeing with your eyes and not let let your mind take over. I think that helps. And I think that's one of the nice the nice parts in some ways about the financial side of things. At the end of the day, it is these are just numbers, and so everything is fairly. You know, not that there aren't different ways of looking at things, but everything is objective, factual, data driven. And so, once you get access to the underlying source documents and things of that nature, you, you can evaluate it and start to really understand it, and really start to try and look at things as unemotionally as possible. And try to right try to i know it's hard it's definitely hard there's no doubt about it but just try to stay on what so aspirationally exactly yeah what what i think is a good exercise is checking your emotions at the door as much as possible looking at things in a completely unemotional way which is impossible to do this is really more of a thought experiment than anything else but checking your emotions trying to look at things completely objectively and then layering in all of those thoughts and looking at it through that lens 
but making sure you do those as separate exercises. What I find client people really struggle with is they try and do both simultaneously. And like, and this is just about any sort of financial issue. Should I keep the house? Should I, you know, something like that often gets evaluated through the lens of, I want to keep the house. Let me evaluate whether or not I should think through whether or not I should from a financial standpoint versus looking at it completely objectively and then saying, is it worth it to do X, or X Y, or Z? And I think the same thing applies in a lot of ways. It's just harder to do if you're divorcing a narcissist. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, I think that's a very good point about the house. And, 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 you know, along with that same conversation is also the, you know, I want it because he wants it or I want it to take it away from them or it's the point of the thing or it's the principle of the thing or, you know, the scorched earth piece of it, you know, trying not to get sucked into that whole mud of it is, is a, it can be very, very enticing, but, you know, very, um, soul sucking. What do you find are the best, the best tips that you have when people, I mean, I, People just get sucked into that. It's it's human nature. It's really hard not to. What are some of the best tips that you have that to help people either prevent that from happening or when they feel themselves starting to get sucked into that to pull themselves back out of it? Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. The reality of it is that... You're not going to be able to have it happen the way you think. And the reality of it is the assets are going to get split in half. You're going to get whatever the law provides as far as child support or alimony or custody or whatever it is. And you're going to walk away feeling like you really got... Like the judge didn't hear you, like thing wasn't fair and all of that. And so, but the truth of the matter is that it's, it's just the court's not set up for that. 
It's just not set up for that. The court is set up to divide assets. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life, whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon-to-be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic, I've got a brand new masterclass for you you. I'm sharing all my secrets. And so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to break free from hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free, break free from hell. And let's do this. Now that we're in the thick of summer, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. With Factor, even with busy summer plans, you can skip having to go to the grocery store and all that cooking and chopping and prepping because Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. Just heat and go and then back outside to enjoy the beautiful weather. I love their bruschetta shrimp risotto and the green goddess chicken. So yummy. Feel your best, stick to your wellness goals, and eat well. They've even got lunches to go and offer menus for all different lifestyles, including keto and vegan and protein. Plus, they've even got snacks and breakfast choices. So head to factormeals.com slash negotiate50 to get 50% off. That's code negotiate50 at factor meals.com slash negotiate 50 to get 50% off. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. This person is not going to change. They cannot be rehabilitated. It's like if a limb was cut off and, and, you know, you can't put a new one on there. I mean, it's not going to grow. I mean, you could, you could get a fake one or whatever, but there's not going to be a new one that grows. And it's just the same thing. They can't grow empathy. They can't grow care. They, 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 they can fake it. I mean, they certainly know how they're supposed to behave, but it doesn't mean they actually feel it. And now we return to today's show. It's a very good point because, you know, especially in a divorce situation or any kind of legal situation, you know, going back to what is so and what is the law and what is the best you're going to get under the law, you know, I mean, you know, you're not going to get much more than that, you know, unless, you know, maybe you can get some kind of leverage where it's so good that you could potentially in some kind of you know alternative dispute resolution setting like a mediation or or an arbitration or something you might be able to get the narcissist to agree to something and get them to sign a contract but you've got to have a very very controlled situation where you're you've got them penned in basically where you can basically say 
here's option A and you better sign right now or here's going to be option B and the the guillotine is coming down on your neck. And so, you you know, here are your options, you're pending, you need to sign. Um, Because if you're, if you don't have that situation, then you're not going to be able to get more than your share that's going to be offered to you under the law. You know, that that's your best case scenario. So, you know, I think a lot of times, and, and this is what's very hard to rationalize with people from an emotional perspective, from an emotional perspective. You know, the, the court of law is not a court to resolve what's just or fair from, you know, the narcissist came along, for example, and ripped your guts out. You know, you were having a decent life or you wanted, you know, let's say it's a divorce situation. You expected to be married for the rest of your life and have your children with this person and whatever it was. You did not expect to be emotionally abused, have your guts ripped out from you, have this person cheat on you or do whatever it is that they did to you. And, and now you're losing your home or your money or all of these things are happening. And you just feel like this isn't fair that, that the courts should compensate you in some way for all of this and, and half the assets and seeing your kids half and you having to pay attorney's fees for this and all of this stuff ain't right. It's just not right. And, and they got away with, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know, to, to move, uh, putting the business into the ground or, uh, you know, sleeping with hookers or whatever it was they got away with. And somehow you should be compensated for that. And so you have this idea that maybe you're going to go into the courtroom and the judge is going to see this and you're going to be able to tell your story and this judge is going to get moved by this and it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And even if you have 65 witnesses to parade in, the truth of the matter is that you're not, there's not going to be enough time to parade in 65 witnesses. It doesn't happen like that because at the most you're going to get two days of trial at the most. And if you get two days of trial, that's costing you a hundred grand probably. I mean, you know, and, and so, you know, and you're not, and two days of trial, you know, you're maybe bringing in three witnesses at the most. I mean, at the most. So the reality of it is that you're not going to be able to have it happen the way you think. And the reality of it is the assets are going to get split in half. You're going to get whatever the law provides as far as child support or alimony or custody or whatever it is. And you're going to walk away feeling like you really got 
like the judge didn't hear you, like thing wasn't fair and all of that. And so, but the truth of the matter is that it's, it's just the court's not set up for that. It's just not set up for that. The court is set up to divide assets. And you're in, in a lot, I mean, you're a number. They have so many cases. You know, these judges have so many cases that they're dealing with that they're trying to get people through as quickly as they can. They don't have time to be able to, it, in some ways, it's a quote unquote court of equity, but it's not the way most people would define equitable. That's not what yeah. they're solving yeah, for. Exactly. That, yeah. Yeah. I do see that people, some people have put some questions in the chat if you wanted to try to address some. Sure. Let's see. Where do we start? Uh, well, underneath Sarah was the last thing when she'd put when you kick ass. So if you want to try to address maybe what if they're filing for bankruptcy now, right before we are filing modifications for support. So we can cry broke all of a sudden. Yeah, so I mean have a uh, hand raised too. Um, yeah, if you want to, do you want to try to answer that? Yeah, so I mean, if, if someone's file, I mean, I think with, with everything, the question really becomes, are they doing something that's you know legitimate and grounded in facts? Or is it something that is more of a shell game? And so if, if I mean, I think if someone's filing for bankruptcy, what is support is really tends to be based on income. What income do they have? And so if they have significant income, then this may not be a huge factor in looking at things. Child support's not going to be something that's absolved in, in bankruptcy. Um, what's your experience with this? Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, I mean, sometimes there's a clawback, for, you know, number one. And number two, I mean... I don't see that bankruptcy is necessarily going to impact it. I mean, be just because I think that you know, I think I think that you know they're going to take a look at what's underlying. They're going to see what what's actually happening. You know, I think that family courts can see what's going on. And I think that they'll take a look under the hood and see if there's actually cause for modification or not. Is Has there been a substantial change in circumstances? You know, is there actually income there or not? So I don't know that that'll have an impact or not. Right. I mean, if, if guidelines are the guidelines. Right. And there, there's a lot of discretion, at least, you know, in with with spousal support, child support tends to be more formulaic in nature, but most of those things tend to be mostly income-based. You know, there's a needs component to it in some cases, 
Um, but the, but it's, it doesn't tend to be really driven by needs is not defined by someone running up their credit cards and then not being able to pay them. That's not, that's at least that's not my experience. All right. So then going down, refused to sell a business that was operating at a loss. We had to sell five properties to cover the cost of the losses and it wasted a lot of money. Can I claim wastage, the net proceeds from the sale of those properties? So if you, I mean, if you're, don't sell a business because it's operating at a loss and then you have to sell properties. Unless there's my experience again here, no legal advice or anything along those lines, but at least in my experience, it tends to be, is there some sort of breach of fiduciary duty? If not, then usually there's not much that someone will do that a court will be able to do to rectify some of those situations. Um, so, you know, again, I think that there's a theme, which is a lot of times the day in court isn't necessarily going to solve the problems you're hoping that it's going to solve. If you had to sell the properties, you know, you can try to, to, to Rebecca's point earlier, I think you want to look everywhere you can to figure out what is the, what is the range of probable outcomes? What's the most likely outcome? What's the range of probable outcomes? Where can I have leverage? But in a vacuum, not selling a business that's operating at a loss and then needing, needing to fund it usually is just kind of par for the course and not something that there's going to be some sort of reconciliation for. Similar experience, or do you have a different take? Yeah, I mean, again, um, you know, we can't give legal advice on on here, but you know, just in general, I can say that you know it kind of goes back to you know, especially when you're talking about a business, you know, and I have to look to say, was it marital property? Was it community property? Was it not? You know, because uh, you know there, that that makes a huge difference, of course. But assuming that we're talking about something that's a community asset or a marital asset, uh, was there joint decision? You know, was it a joint decision? Was it not a joint decision? Uh, was was it something that the other person knew about, didn't know about? Uh, you know, I think that a lot goes into that. Um, so uh, I think that. Potentially, but usually waste and dissipation is more along the lines of decisions that were made without the knowledge of the other person completely and where the other person tended to benefit from it. And but when the uh, uh, and the other party didn't, so generally it's more like drugs or um, you know okay, uh, escorts, escorts is the class uh, things like that gambling gambling yeah exactly so it's not, not it's not spending money on things that someone else wasn't that on board with you know clothes it's, it doesn't tend to be those things unless it right. really gets it's got to be really really egregious something like this where you knew about it you were involved you know it, it, it generally waste does not include where both parties were involved both parties knew generally like when I have seen somebody try to claim waste, for example, when somebody was 
managing a brokerage account, for example, and they lost money day trading and they didn't like that. Yep. Well, that didn't end up being a good enough claim. Um, because I, I, I was involved in one one particular case where it was significant enough to actually end up being treated as as a breach. Um, and but it was one of those things where like you did not need to be a financial expert to see that this was some of the most ridiculous trading. And um, I want to say there was 15,000 transactions in a one year time period. And they took a three or $4 million starting account balance down to $50 oh, okay. in the course of two years. Yeah. You couldn't possibly have done worse. Okay. It was clear. So it was very clear. Like that, maybe. Yeah. But, but you're, it, it was, I mean, it was about as bad as well, it. Well, cause that was probably ended up, they, they probably thought of it as like gambling. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Was, yeah. So, but I think in general or not, you know, so, I mean, but I can't say for sure, but in general, usually something like that, not, I, that's my guess. I don't know. Um, oh. Next one. How or what documents do I need to get filed to ensure the other $900 of spousal support comes to me without him being able to stop an allotment to me? Uh, wage garnishment. So if, uh, depending on how they're paid, perhaps there's a way that it can be direct deposited into your account instead of going into his account and then needing to be transferred to you. All right, next one. Anything to add, Rebecca? Uh, that was Linda. Yeah, yes, yes, that's good. Yep. Uh, Sarah, are financial accountants worth it to calculate income for a self-employed narc not claiming substantial in income? Is their input taken seriously by judges? It's what is that? Ten to twenty thousand dollars for the accountant makes in the range of fifteen k more per month than what he's claiming. So I think question one is whether or not we're talking just child support or child and spousal. The two questions I would ask there, are, are we talking child support and spousal support or just child support? It's going to be much more likely to be worthwhile if it's for both child and spousal support than just child, because that's going to be a bigger number. Mm -hmm. um, number two, what, you know, if you think the easiest way to do these things to, to figure it out is to get a sense for what happens if you're right with your claims. So if we add in an extra $15,000 a month, what is the expectation for what spousal support and child support are likely to look like? And how much more is that than based on what he's claiming? Now you can, you can start to kind of, this is what I mean by taking an, trying to take an objective database approach. If forget the hard part of, actually paying and actually proving it and just make some operating assumptions. What does it look like based on what he claims? What does it look like based on what you claim? How much does that move the needle? What's the probability of being able to substantiate what it is that you're claiming? Um, and some of these things are, are not specific probabilities, but more likely than not, less likely than not, things of that nature. Um, my sense would be if you actually really believe that he's making $15,000 a month more than he's claiming, ten to $20,000 is not a whole lot of money. And that's likely to be 
recouped if it is if you're right. So you know what is that based on? Um, what are what's your expectation based on? But but that would I would say financial accountants, um, forensic accountants, their their input is taken very seriously if they're able to document and substantiate things through through source documents. If they're not, then it's a little bit of a different discussion, and it's more about credibility and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I, I, that's an excellent answer. And I think the only thing that I would add is to find out how much more your support would be. Exactly. You know, I mean, if you know all of those numbers, you'll know how much more the support would be. So you'll be able to know what your return on your investment is going to be. Yeah, I mean, you know, using California numbers, which is what I'm kind of most familiar with, if you're taking kind of a guideline formula approach and you have one child, you're probably looking at around, you know, 35%, give or take. Um, so, you know, that would easily get you there in a year. And so, what is, how long does it take to recoup the cost, knowing that, you know, the accountant's one cost and then you have the cost of, of litigating it? But you're probably looking at a one year, one year time frame before you've recouped all of your costs, if you're right. Yeah. And the you know the one other thing I would throw out there is, if it's you know if it's a cash based business, those tend to be the most challenging things to be able to substantiate. Uh, someone's truly paid in in cash. Someone's just not fully disclosing their income. And you get enough documents, usually, you know, a good a good forensic accountant is going to be able to substantiate a lot of that stuff. Um, and sometimes you need to be able to spend a little money to get some of the leverage, even if you don't take it all the way through to court. All right. Up next, post divorce five years, just relocated. He just relocated from another state, five minutes from me and the kids. And now things have fallen apart. Feels like divorce number two. And now crying too broke for child support. And spent tens of thousands on moving alone. Oh, I think that's the same one from before with the back bankruptcy. Got it. Okay. Uh, need to hire a forensic accountant. What should we be asking them when they are interviewed? I mean, I think the biggest thing there is is the if it's a forensic accountant, and you're, if you're talking about litigation. Which, which I presume you are. It's mostly around the relationship that your attorney and the forensic accountant has, more so than it is about your relationship with the forensic accountant. So I think you really want to kind of let your make sure you feel really comfortable with your attorney. Let your attorney take the lead in recommending a forensic accountant. If they're not able to provide a recommendation on that, then they probably are not the right attorney for you if, for that particular scenario. Um, but if it, when it comes down to questions to ask, I mean, credentials, but more than anything, it's really, you know, asking them for their CV to see how many times they've testified. Have they been in front of this judge? Have they been qualified as an expert? Um, what are their costs? What's their turnaround time? At least in the area that, that I'm in and, you know, most of the other areas that I know, forensic accountants, you know, the whole divorce world tends to be really small. And so the, the highly reputable professionals are really, really busy. And, you know, that's not a bad thing. You want to work with someone, someone that's reputable, but you want to make sure that they're not overextended. So what is the time frame? Are they going to have a junior associate working on it or are they going to be doing more of it themselves? 
Yeah, I, the only thing that I would add is it depends on what you're going to need the forensic accountant for. So, you know, are you hiring them for a lifestyle analysis? Are you hiring them for income analysis? Are you hiring them for a business valuation? You know, so I mean, it really kind of depends, you know, so the, the, and the forensic accountant will direct you. They'll, they'll give you a list of the kinds of things that they need. So, I mean, they'll, I mean, if it, if it's a business valuation, they're going to need all kinds of things from the business. They're going to need, you know, the QuickBooks, the tax returns, the, you know, all kinds of things from the business. It, you know, so, and if it's a lifestyle analysis, they'll probably need, you know, like the last at least year, maybe two of every way that you spend money for the last couple of years, you know, how every single dollar that you spend over the last couple of years, they're going to be in analyzing that. So, um, I, I, that's the only thing that I would add to what Jason said. And are you, the other thing just to keep in mind is, are you hiring? An individual expert, or are you hiring a neutral expert? Um, and there's pros and cons to both, uh, but you know that's one of the other key key differentiators to think about up front. There's certainly scenarios that pe- people will end up with a neutral expert and also have their own individual experts to be able to identify. You know what was there a key assumption? And it's usually not to say did this person do a good job as much as did they make an assumption or two that had they made a different one would change everything about the analysis. Um, and so that's another thing to just keep in mind in that regard. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Next one. Oh, I think we're out of time, actually. We are out of time. I just realized what time it is. Um, this ended up going like really fast. Wow. We like got our questions going. Um I knew this was going to end up being really super popular once we got our questions going. And we, um, so I don't know if you want to do maybe one more just to, um, since we are, uh, I know we have a couple, uh, a lot of people here, but. Um, violence, not really my area as much. Yeah. Um, can sue for emotional damage from the past 15 years. Not in my experience. Right. All right, this last one. Cheating on me for the past 14 years. Drives an expensive car and has properties appears she cannot afford based on her occupation. Is it worth it for me to try and find out whether my husband has funded these assets or he has hidden bank accounts with her? Um, I mean, I th- I wouldn't... I would look at this less. This is this goes back to I think this kind of encompasses everything that we've been talking about. So this is clearly going to be a highly emotional scenario. You're going to want to kind of prove that some of these things are potentially true. Totally understandable and understand and empathize for that. Let me just read the question so that everybody can hear it. Sure. My husband has been cheating on me for 14 years with the same married mistress. She drives an expensive car and has properties it appears she cannot afford based on her occupation as a secretary. Is it worth for me to try to find out whether my husband, a wealthy lawyer, has funded these assets or he has a hidden bank account with her? 
All right, go ahead. So yeah, so I mean, the question I would ask is, does your financial situation, put that on the shelf for a second, does your financial situation make sense given the income and lifestyle that you guys have led? If you, if your financial situation, as you complete the financial disclosures or affidavits, and you start to see, here's what our kind of marital balance sheet looks like. Here's what our net worth looks like. Does that add up or does it look like there's been a leak in the boat and there's a lot less than you would expect there to be? The more it looks like, yeah, this is kind of how I expect it to the less inclined I would be to dig deeper. If it actually, on the other hand, looks like we're making a ton of money, we haven't really spent all that much, I would expect us to have you know a bunch of money, but we don't have much to show for it, that's a red flag. And so then you can start, that would lead me to start digging a little bit deeper and kind of picking a year or two and starting to analyze that more closely and seeing, you know, are there big transfers that left? Are there you know, pulling some pay statements or however they get paid and the distributions and seeing where did they go? So I would really just try and spot check these things. Sanity check it first, spot check it second. The more of those red flags start to build up, the more inclined you are to kind of start asking more and more questions, gathering information and <clears throat> trying to assess what kind of response they have. And are they responding in a way that really seems suspicious or gets defensive? Or are they are they not doing any of those things and then make a decision from there? Yeah. I mean, you might be able to subpoena something, but they won't, if she tries to block it, they won't allow it to go through unless you have some kind of shred of something. If you have some sort of proof of something, but if you get that proof, then they'll, they'll allow it to go through. That's for sure. So. All right. We really, really appreciate Jason and his time. And you can see that he is a really, really amazing fund of information. And once we got going, we were able to get lots of incredible questions answered. So thank you, Jason, for your time. Thanks and for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. Remember, if you want more ways to slay and you want more ways to be supported, you can always join my membership at joinslay.com forward slash slay. You can always subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can always grab my free Crush My Negotiation worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Remember that today is a great day to start negotiating your best life. And I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening. 